welcome to the Dunkel Index Podcast. I'm Ben Dunkel, and here with me is a guy who just keeps getting better at computers. It's my dad, Bob Dunkel. Hey, Ben. Happy uh, Giannis Supermax Day. Uh, good news in Milwaukee. Christmas came early for the Bucks. Are you surprised Giannis decided to come back? I am a little bit. Um I I know he's doing it for the goodwill, but if he leaves after this is up, uh, look what happened to Durant uh, when he went to Golden State. So the fans have really short memories, um, but it was the only way he was going to get that huge deal. And it's not like he, you know, a couple years ago, we thought getting James Harden would be impossible, but it seems like these guys become available every couple of years. So really only see it guaranteeing maybe three more years in Milwaukee, realistically. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, good, good, for, good for him. Yeah, good, good, good point. As we're watching in Houston, uh, even with Harden under contract, these players can put a lot of pressure on management to move them before the contract is up. But I think it's a good message, uh, you know, in an era where the players, uh, su- the superstars at least, uh, tend to like to move around and form super teams, um, for Giannis to stay in a small market. Uh, good for Milwaukee and, and and good for the NBA on that. And I think, you know, the Bucks did enough in, in acquiring some new talent, even with the Bogdanovich deal falling through. I think the addition of Drew Holiday is huge. Uh, I think it's a big upgrade over, over Bledsoe and George Hill. I think they really had problems down the stretch at, at point guard last year. So I think Holiday certainly fixes that problem and uh, I think probably was enough uh, for Giannis to to look at the the foundation of that team and know that they can still compete in the East. I did get a chance to watch. Uh, speaking of the East, uh, Brooklyn the other night and Durant and Kyrie looks a little scary there. I must say for for the rest of the Eastern Conference, uh, these guys look very healthy and and ready to roll. What's your what's your take on the Nets right now? I think Steve Nash has to be happy that this is going to be a short season. Um, while they look good on the court, I just don't know about off court how long that relationship's going to last. Kyrie seems to say something weird just about every week. Is it safe to say you and I are both pawns uh, in in the <laughs> game of life right now, and at least in Kyrie's eyes? I mean, I agree with you. I've wondered about the chemistry of that team. I feel sorry for the Karis Leverts who uh, are great players in their own right, but are definitely going to have to play in the shadow of the big two there. Uh, but I, if they can put aside some of the quirks, focus on on the game of basketball, uh, that looks like a pretty dynamic team there, no doubt about it. Uh, what are you thinking right now? I keep on hearing, you know, Simmons and Harden, maybe a deal is afoot there. Daryl Morey seems to continue to keep it afloat, the idea of bringing Harden to Philadelphia. I'm not super excited about it. It, it, It's weird, even though Simmons and Embiid have been together for a couple years now, you still think there's still more upside to those two that we haven't quite seen as far as they can go. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer we give them, but I'm still intrigued enough. I want to give them more. I, I, I don't want to deal Simmons to Houston. Uh, even for Harden, I, I just don't see that combo with Embiid working well. What, what's your thought? Well, I love Maury, and I think he put it to bed today, actually. He tweeted 
um, an emoji that Ben Simmons kind of always uses. Um, and that's all it took. I think we know, like he's on, on team Ben. I don't think Simmons is going anywhere. Um, and I agree. I think there is more, uh, to those guys, Embiid and Simmons playing together, uh, than we've seen, than we've seen already. And, uh, yeah, if he does get traded, it won't be until, you know, next off season. I don't see it this year at all. Well, suffice to say, this is the longest process in the, in the history of the NBA. But yeah, I want to give it a, a little longer. And, you know, as we've talked about before, uh, Simmons' absence was notable in the bubble last year in the playoffs. Uh, that team lacked focus. And while Simmons has some, some gaps in his game that you certainly would like to see filled, I think he brings a toughness that uh, that certainly I haven't seen James Harden bring to the court. See a lot of scoring out of Harden, but on the defensive end, I, I, I don't see much. And I do see a lot from Simmons. So I think they need that element because um, you certainly don't get it a lot from from JoJo every night. Um, and so I, I just don't see he and Harden kind of bringing that, that toughness that you're going to need to compete in what's going to be a really competitive East this year. I mean, we haven't even talked about Boston and Toronto. So I know everybody loves the West and the West, certainly with the Lakers is defending champs and looking even stronger this year is going to get a lot of attention. Golden State coming back with uh, with Steph Curry. Uh, but I think the East is going to be right there all year on the competitive scale. Yeah, uh, so we're only about a week away from opening night. Um, I guess we'll probably do a little NBA uh, preseason preview podcast next week or something. Yeah, we'll do that and uh, come to dunkleindex.com. We've been uh, running our preseason picks, so uh, follow us through the preseason. And yeah, December 22nd is right around the corner. So looking forward to that. But uh, we're moving toward playoff time. Playoffs. Uh, in the NFL, uh, games are starting to get interesting and none more so than on Monday night, uh, with the Ravens who have been given up for dead on a number of occasions, although they've hung in there in our top five. So starting to pay dividends for the index. Uh, we haven't given up on Baltimore and they had a great game on Monday against Cleveland. So Ravens are back from the dead. Yeah, it was actually a, kind of a tough week for a couple of our teams in the top five last week. Green Bay, um, Pittsburgh. So, was, yeah, no doubt. Uh, it wasn't a great, we've had some good weeks. Uh, last week was a dud. Uh, the Ravens game was a nice one to end on. We did hit that one on the nose, had it a five point game. And, and that's exactly what it came in as. I don't know if you saw the finish with the safety. Um, ended up costing some of the sports books a lot of money because the line did creep up to Ravens by three. And the Browns tried one of those razzle-dazzle multilateral plays there at the end. <laughs> ended up with Jarvis Landry being pushed out of his own end zone for a two-point safety. So if you took the uh, Brownies and the points, you were not a happy camper on Monday night, but it was a good win for the index. Uh, ended what was a tough week, though, as you said, for not only the top teams, but a couple of those games just totally uh, blindsided me, including our Philadelphia Eagles. Did not see that one coming. Yeah, um, I didn't really either. Uh, 
we talked about it. I think the last time we did one of these, you know, switching to Jalen Hurts, how much was that really going to change? And it seemed to be just what they needed. I mean, the offense, it looked really good. Yeah, I don't know how much of it was Jalen Hurts, uh, although over 100 yards on the ground, pretty impressive. I think the bigger factor was a big day from Miles Sanders. I've been wondering where that's been. Uh, I'm sure Carson Wentz was standing there wondering where that's been too. But, you know, and, and maybe that was Hurts's kind of dynamic play ability that was opening up holes for Sanders uh, as well. But that was a good sign for the Eagles. So much needed win. I hate the talk of playoffs with the Eagles because it's like absurd to still be talking about it. But in the NFCs, nobody's dead yet. So Philly, uh, Philly's still alive coming in against the Cardinals this weekend, who got a big win. Another loss for, for the uh, index. I mean, the Giants had come in playing very well. Uh, especially on defense, um, and didn't like Kyler Murray traveling uh, to MetLife. Um, usually those West Coast teams coming into the East do not do well. We had uh, the Giants straight up, and the Cardinals manhandled them. So not a great not a great pick there either. But let's wipe the slate clean. Um, we'll go through our top five this week. Uh, we've got two top five squaring off against each other, so we're only going to focus on four games. But let's uh, let's deal out four winners. How about that? All right. I wanted to touch on one thing uh, about last week uh, quickly before we moved on, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're ten and three against the spread this uh, this year, and they did it against the Chiefs last weekend, keeping it within the I think it was seven, yeah, six and a half, some somewhere around there. So just kind of a cool story. Very cool story. Uh, two nice stories. One, Brian Flores. You know, we're so used to Belichick's former assistants not doing well as head coaches. Brian Flores looks to be the exception right now. And everything he's he's done has worked out well. He played Fitzmagic early in the year, got a lot out of him, uh, switched to Tua when, when Fitzmagic was still playing well. That seemed to work out well. Um, and now uh, after Tua got injured and he had to go back, to Fitzmagic, he's now back to Tua, and Tua played a great game, and you know it looks like maybe a rivalry in the making between he and Mahomes. Uh, so that's that'll be fun to watch for years to come. But yeah, that was a nice cover. It was a good win for the index. Um, love it for from a strategic standpoint. Miami kicking that field goal uh, late, uh, and then trying the onside kick for the touchdown instead of just going for the touchdown. Uh, that helped get it under the under the spread there. So it's a good ATS win and a good showing for the Dolphins because I, I don't know if it ha- uh, Miami has many believers, but I think every week, and as you said, 10-3 and three ATS, pretty impressive season, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, first by a lot. All right, so yeah, moving on to week 15 now, and uh, first game on the schedule is actually on Saturday. So uh, get ready, Saturday football is coming. Uh, number five, Green Bay Packers, uh, ten and three overall this year, and eight and five against the spread. They are taking on the Carolina Panthers. Carolina is four and nine overall, and seven and six against the spread this year. Vegas has the line Green Bay minus eight and a half at home. What do you think? 
Yeah, that was a, a bad beat for the uh, index last week, the Detroit game where the Lions kicked a field goal a la Miami late uh, to try to get it within one score, and that dipped it under under the spread. You know, fully expected the pack to just mow over Detroit, but uh, Detroit can still put points on the board, so that was a, a bad ATS loss there. Green Bay's offense looks as good as ever, um, now number two in passing yards and total yards and number one in points scored, and they've got to be licking their chops this week going up against a Carolina defense that ranks 23rd in passing yards allowed, 21st in total yards, and 20th in, in points scored. Packers 6-2 and two against the spread in their last eight home games. Uh, they've won three straight. Panthers have lost seven of their last eight. We're going to take Green Bay in this one uh, to cover the number. Okay. All right. Now, this next matchup makes me pretty nervous. Uh, it seems obvious on paper, but I just feel like it's going to play out differently. Number four, Baltimore Ravens. They're eight and five overall this year, seven and six against the spread. And they're taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are one and 12 overall. But six and seven against the spread now. And the line is Baltimore by 13 and a half. So what do you think? Yeah, well, we're going to follow your anxiety on that, Ben, because we have the same anxiety here at the index. That game, similar to last week's Detroit Green Bay game, looks like it's clearly Baltimore's uh, to run away with. Um but, you know, if there was a downside to that 47-42 win for the Ravens on Monday night, it was the defensive performance. I mean, we've talked all year about how the offense has struggled with Lamar Jackson. They finally got it going on Monday night. But now the defense suddenly doesn't look as stout as it had. Uh, Ravens D has now slipped to number 16 in passing yards and number 15 in total yards. So more of a middle-of-the-pack defense right now. And, you know, Jacksonville, 6-7, uh, and seven, very respectable ATS record this year, despite uh, a woeful straight-up record. You know, they've played pretty tough down the stretch here. Last weekend was the exception. Uh, Tennessee and Derrick Henry coming back to the North Florida area just had a huge game. Titans ran away with that game. It was never close. But coming into that, Jacksonville uh, had uh, won four of its last five uh, against the spread. So the Jags have at least been fighting. Uh, and they're actually 5-0 and oh against the spread in their last five coming into this one against the Ravens. And the Ravens just 6-14 and 14 against the spread in their last 20 as a home favorite. So... Emotional win on Monday night, a uh, huge win for the Ravens. Certainly see them being able to win this game, no doubt. But we agree the Jags uh, probably have enough to keep this uh, within the 13-point line. So we are going to take Jacksonville in the points here. Okay. All right. Now, this next one, uh, I feel like this one is just like maybe I'm missing something here, but I don't know what's wrong with this line. Number three, New Orleans Saints, who we just said, lost to the Eagles last weekend. They're 10-3 and three overall this year, 7-6 and six against the spread. And they're taking on our number one ranked Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are 12-1 and one overall and 6-7 and seven against the spread this year. Line, though, is Chiefs by just three 
on the road. So what's going on there? Well, I think uh, one is, well, Kansas City's certainly number one and playing well. Um, they have not been covering. In fact, they're 0-5 against the spread in their last five games, uh, including that game we talked about earlier with, with the Miami Dolphins last weekend. So they're kind of just playing well enough to win right now, which is certainly at a, at a high level. But going up against the Saints team that is coming off a bad loss uh, to the Eagles, you know, they've kind of been flirting a little bit on the offensive end uh, with a down game. You know, Taysom Hill ha- certainly hasn't looked like Drew Brees. Uh, he's been good enough. Uh, to get past some of some of the lesser teams, but you know it kind of came home to roost against the Eagles last weekend. So uh, bad loss there for the Saints, no doubt. But you know the story of this team this year has really been been on the defensive end. And the Saints still rank number two right now against the rush, and number four against the pass, and number four uh, in points scored. So we see the Saints defense at home coming off of a bad loss, being able to give Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and company enough problems to keep this one close. And with the home cooking, we actually are going to call for a straight up upset here. Uh, everybody's looking past the Saints after that bad game last week, but we see them pulling a little bit of a surprise and beating the Chiefs straight up. Saints are 21 and 6. Uh, against the spread in their last 27 games as an underdog, six and one against the spread in their last seven as a home underdog. It's a rare occurrence for the Saints in recent years to be in this position, and they've excelled when they have. We think the same thing here. Upset alert. We're going to go within the big game of this weekend. Saints straight up. All right, an upset alert. A little upset alert for your holiday weekend. All right, so our last game on the schedule this week is number two Pittsburgh Steelers, who are eleven and two overall this year and eight and five against the spread. They're at Cincinnati Bengals, two and ten overall this year, seven and six against the spread, and line is Steelers by eleven and a half on the road. What do you think? Yeah, Steelers went from winning eleven straight to. Losing two straight, um, we expected a bounce back win by the Steelers last week against the Bills. Uh, did not happen. Struggles continue uh, on the offensive end uh, for the Steelers. They really just had a hard time finding a running game. Uh, now uh, defense is maybe keen more on the pass. It's been been tougher road for Roethlisberger of late, and they just haven't really been clicking on all cylinders. But the good news is the schedule makers put the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. I think Mike Tomlin is probably thanking uh, them for for that. Uh, The Bengals have dropped five straight. The loss of Joe Burrow has been devastating to that offense. Uh, In three of those losses, they've scored uh, just nine, seven, and seven points, uh, including a 30-7 to debacle last week at home against Dallas uh, in the Andy Dalton reunion game. Uh, Dallas, who hasn't had its way with anybody this year, just totally controlled the Bengals. Control is something that the Steelers have done with Cincinnati historically. They have had no trouble 
coming into Cincinnati and dominating the Bengals. They're 16-3 and 2 against the spread in their last 21 on the road against Cincinnati. So in need of kind of riding the ship right now, see Mike Tomlin in the Pittsburgh Steelers, even with a big number on the road, being able to uh, generate enough offense, certainly against uh, a Bengals team that is struggling to put points on the board. We're going to take Pittsburgh minus the points here. Okay. All right. Only three weeks left in the uh, regular season, so get those bets in. Get them in, and uh, listen, it's great that we've made it this far. It looks like we can get this whole season in, which I don't think we thought was possible when we, when the season started. So, you know, kudos to the uh, NFL for being able to pull this all together so far. All right, so let's move over to the wild world of college football now where uh... – we are approaching the end of the season there, too. Yeah, end of season. Games are falling by the wayside uh, as we speak. The first bowl game of the year uh, had its plug pulled, the Frisco Bowl. SMU to, uh, said they weren't going to be able to, to make it. Um, Michigan's game got canceled this weekend. Michigan finishes the year two and four. Um, certainly didn't see that kind of uh, bad year out of the Wolverines. So, for some, uh, it's just it's a lost season. But uh, for those still in contention, we've got a couple good games this weekend, including some conference championship games. So why don't we get into those? Yeah, just a couple. And uh, the first one on the schedule, this is uh, really interesting. I think it's going on in like Charlotte or something. So most of these matchups are going to be neutral field. Uh, but the first one that we have is number five, Notre Dame. They're 10 and 0 overall this year, five and five against the spread. And they're taking on the Clemson Tigers, who are nine and one overall and four and six against the spread this year. The line is Clemson by 10 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, this is the uh, first chance in, uh, I think, the 130 year history of Notre Dame football that they can win a conference championship here. So it could be one and done uh, as far as the ACC, assuming that they don't come back and they go back to their independent status next year. But it's been a great year for Brian Kelly's Irish. Uh, they've got a chance here to do something nobody's been able to do in quite a while, and that's beat Dabo and two games in the, in the same season. Um, of course, they won that huge game a couple weeks ago in South Bend, a 47 to 40 shootout in overtime uh, where Ian Book really is kind of his signature uh, game in, in a very good career at Notre Dame. Uh, what Clemson didn't have in that game that they do have for this game is Trevor Lawrence back at quarterback, and they've looked very good since Lawrence came back uh, with big wins over Pitt and Virginia Tech. But I tell you, Notre Dame, that wasn't a fluke. Uh, the defense has looked really strong. Uh, while Clemson comes in fifth in the nation in scoring, uh, Notre Dame comes in 12th in points allowed, only allowing just slightly over 17 points a game. So we see in this one, Notre Dame having enough to keep this game close. We are calling for a Clemson win straight up. 
But the Irish are 6-0 and against the spread in their last six against teams with a winning record. Brian Kelly has done a very good job this year kind of erasing that impression that the Irish couldn't, couldn't win big games. Um, certainly that Clemson win earlier this year went a long way toward erasing that reputation. Uh, I think this is a Notre Dame team playing with a lot of confidence uh, with a senior quarterback in Ian Book. Uh, so we don't look for Clemson, even with the revenge factor, to come in and roll the Irish on this one. We're going to take the Notre Dame plus the 10 and a half. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why it's so high. And I don't know how much it would cost, but you push that up for. And... I think it's a combination of the revenge factor and Lawrence being healthy, which, listen, I, Clemson had that game in South Bend. Uh, they had the lead late, could not hold on to it. So I, the figuring with Lawrence at the helm, uh, Clemson's going to be probably in, in a much better position to win this game. And again, we are calling for the straight up win here, but we, we do think Notre Dame has enough to keep this within 10 and a half. All right. And that definitely has uh, some playoff implications, right? Huge playoff implications, especially for Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame loses. Uh, they probably still get in. They may, they and Alabama may be the only two guaranteed locks for getting in. Uh, if Clemson loses as good as Clemson is, two losses to Notre Dame more than likely kicks them out. You have to see how the rest of the teams do this weekend. But that's another another thing that's playing toward Clemson's advantage. Uh, mm -hmm. The thought that, you know, if they lose, uh, they're out. So, and Dabo's certainly well uh, accustomed to playing in big games and, and doesn't doesn't have a problem getting his teams fired up for these games. So, again, uh, it's it's more riding on it for Clemson, but this is not a Notre Dame game, team that looks like it's going to be pushed around like it has in years past. Okay. All right. Number four is the University of Florida Gators. They're 8-2 and two overall this year, 4-5-1 and one against the spread. And they're taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, this is another neutral. I want to say this one's maybe in Atlanta. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Alabama's 10-0 overall this year. 8-2 and two against the spread. Good for number six overall in college football. Um, and of all the teams, uh, they've got, you know, the toughest schedule and the most games up there. So they might as well be the best team uh, against the spread this year. Line is Alabama by 13 and a half. What do you think there? Yeah, well, you want to talk about a line that smells. Uh, that is a smelly line. Bama has covered spreads in the last five games of 29, 31 and a half, 25 and a half, 29 and 28 points. Uh, they've had no trouble covering those, those huge numbers. So to find a number in the teens sticks out a little bit. You know, this Florida team, funny thing happened on the way to the SEC championship because a week ago this was being billed as a huge game with serious playoff implications. Uh, not so much now because Florida laid an egg in Gainesville last weekend in the fog, 24-point favorite over LSU, and they end up losing. Um by far, um, Kyle Trask's worst game. Just never really looked comfortable. 
uh, even against an LSU defense that was depleted. Most people figured, including the index, uh, that LSU didn't even have a chance, much less keeping it within the 24-point spread. Uh, but Tigers pull off the big upset. That uh, eliminates Florida from any serious contention in the football playoff. That being said, the Gators uh, have shown a lot this year, especially with Kyle Trask at quarterback. They did not have Kyle Pitts at tight end. His favorite receiver against Alabama, or pardon me, against LSU last week. He does return for this game. Uh, with Pitts in there, Florida's uh, pass offense has been top rated this year in the nation. We look at this as a game that Florida can keep within the spread here. Gators are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five as an underdog. So looking for Dan Mullen to have a bounce back here, even against the juggernaut of the Crimson Tide. That number sticks out like a sore thumb. We're going to follow it. Uh, we're going to take the Gators plus the points on this one. Okay. All right. And our last game this week is number two, Ohio State. 5-0 and this year, 3-2 and against the spread, and they're facing off against Northwestern. Northwestern 6-1 and overall this year, and 5-1-1 against the spread. Good for number four overall in college football against the spread. Line is Ohio State by 20-and-a-half. What do you think? Yeah, anytime you have Northwestern against Ohio State, it's a David and Goliath, no doubt about it. Kudos to Pat Fitzgerald this year. Uh, done a great job of getting the Wildcats into this game. Uh, they've done it mostly on defense. Uh, they're now number two in the nation in points allowed at just over 14 points a game. Uh, they held Wisconsin earlier this year to just a, a single touchdown. They've got their work cut out for them, no doubt, against this Ohio State offense. Uh, coming back. Uh, even from a couple weeks off because of COVID, uh, they played a Michigan State team that looked fairly hot after beating Northwestern uh, 29-20. Uh, but boy, the Buckeyes just mowed them down at 52-12. to So it's going to be uh, all that Pat Fitzgerald can do to keep this game within the spread. But as you alluded to, they are 6-1 and one this year against the spread. And the Buckeyes have not played great uh, against teams with a winning record. In fact, they're 1-4 right now uh, against the spread in their last five. That includes that Indiana game a couple weeks ago uh, where the Hoosiers were able to keep it within the margin. We say it's the same thing here. Three-touchdown ga game with Northwestern's defense playing as well as it had. Uh, we think we think the Wildcats can keep this one within the spread. So we're going to take Northwestern in the points here. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week and for college football for a little bit, I guess. Well, we've got the bowl games coming up. We certainly got the playoff coming up. So uh, still plenty of college football to check out. So come to dunkleindex.com for your picks there and as well as uh, the NFL. And with the NBA right around the corner and college basketball going on, we're going to have plenty of round ball for you, too. So uh, free picks every day on the Dunkel Index website. Yes, free picks and, uh, you know, a couple stories now on the front page, too. So, yeah, 
Make sure to check out the new website and a couple of features in there that, you know, I really like. I love going back and checking the results. So that's really fun. Yeah, no, it's it's a huge upgrade for the site. Uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. So really appreciate uh, everybody checking it out and let us know uh, if you like it. Let us know if you don't like it. Um, happy to hear criticisms as well. We're always trying to tweak to, to make it better. So just uh, continue to appreciate uh, folks checking it out. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Awesome, Ben. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya.